Hello and welcome to The Pulse. Later on in the show, a new book suggests Hong Kong's police are cracking down harder on political protest. And we look at whether guidelines on how schools should respond to pupil allegations of abuse by teachers are comprehensive enough. First, though, as shares have risen, as the world's economy has been showing signs of being on the mend, the gold bugs, avid believers that gold is the best ever investment, have been hit hard. Gold prices have plunged, and with them, the fortunes of the short-lived Hong Kong Mercantile Exchange. The exchange was set up in 2008 by Barry Jung, a major supporter of Lan Chung Ying in the chief executive elections. Criminal investigations connected with the company are now underway. But was it ever a good idea in the first place? Well, with us in the studio is Francis Lun of, of GEO Securities. Right. Francis Lun, you're a long-time observer of the market. Yep. Even when this exchange was mooted, did you think it had a chance of succeeding? Well, uh, if you want to start an exchange, uh, it is a good idea if you have a good product and deep pockets because it really costs a lot to run an exchange. And the uh, history of, of uh, new successful uh, mercantile exchanges are very few. I've, I can actually think of only one, which is the Intercontinental Exchange at Atlanta. And I think it was set up something like in 2005 or something this is like that. in the States. That. Yeah. And uh, it started with only three people and, and it was trading uh, 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 brand oil. And that was what, it, what makes it. And it, it is now one of the largest uh, commodity exchanges in the world. But other than that, I cannot think of another example that an exchange, uh, um, a commodity exchange, uh, be became successful. And in fact, this one was supposed to start as an oil trader, wasn't it? Yeah, that's why. Actually, I think uh, Barry Jung was uh, worked in the oil industry before, and then uh, I think in 2006 he became the CEO of Titan Petroleum, and Titan Petroleum at that time built an oil depot in the Guangdong province. And at that time, he, he had a plan to use that uh, depot as a storage for heating oil. Uh, uh, and, and then he conceived the idea of mercantile exchange trading in oil contracts. Because uh, in Asia right now, even now, today, there is no exchange that deal in oil. So actually, he had a good idea. But the only problem is that China was not warm to the idea. It refused to give permission to uh, uh, Barry Jung to use the uh, oil depot as the delivery for the oil contract. So he had to change his plans. And then, of course, the uh, 2008 financial tsunami uh, caused a, a, a lot of changes in his plans. Originally, uh, uh, from what I know, uh, Lehman Brothers was one of his early backers. Of course, Lehman went under, and then he had to withdraw, withdraw the plans. And, uh, and, go, and he, he, the only uh, product he can trade was uh, gold. But gold is already an overcrowded market in Hong Kong. There's the uh, gold and silver exchange. And then the Hong Kong exchange put up a gold future exchange for about one year, and then it dropped it because of lack of interest. So uh, his uh, mercantile exchange trading in gold actually uh, was doomed from the very start. 
they're, they're, they're talking about um, re reviving this uh -huh. company. Do you think there's the slightest chance that will happen? Well, I think the chances is very remote because uh, you, in Hong Kong you already have the gold and silver exchange, which is something like 150 years old. And then, uh, of course, the Hong Kong exchange already bought the London Mercantile Exchange. <laughs> and so uh, you don't need another commodity exchange in Hong Kong right now. So the chances of rejuvenating or restarting the Mercantile Exchange is, is pretty close to zero. Well, Francis Lung, thank you very much indeed. On May 8th, the police arrested Melody Chan, a volunteer for Occupy Central, for her involvement in a protest in Central during a July 1st rally almost two years ago. The case and the delayed arrest have led many social activists to question whether the force is now showing less tolerance of public gatherings and demonstrations. According to the Civil Human Rights Front, 50 demonstrators were arrested in 2010. That number rocketed to 416 the following year, a high not reached since the 1967 riots. Examining this issue is a new book, Resist Be Thy Crime, Political Prosecution and Hope, a collective work in which 27 social activists write about their experiences of run-ins with the law. Here to talk to us about the book is one of its contributors, Sherry Hung. Hi. Sherry Hung, um, why did you think it was a good idea to write a book like this? Um, the reason why we are writing the book because um, one of our friends is being arrested um, in a protest. So my the other friends is very angry about this um, incident. So that's why he is um, he was calling up us um, to write a book about on political prosecutions. But I mean, is it really the case? I know there have been more arrests, but is it really the case that the police are being more restrictive about political prosecutions? prosecutions? Yes, I think so, because like um, the previous year we got so many protests in Hong Kong also, but the number of arrests um, is not that much compared to 2011. And, um, and you can see like 2011 after the budget is being released, there is a protest against the budget. And on that day, the police has um, arrested 113 people, and this is the biggest amount um, since the 1967s, I think. Do you think that the protesters themselves are getting more aggressive? Or are they the same, just the level of arrests is higher? I think it's like two different situations. Some of them may getting more um, aggressive, but some of them is still very peaceful. But the problem is that the police um, is always the one who decide um, which one to arrest. Even that they are doing very, um, doing the protest very peacefully, they may still arrest them due to some very sensitive um, political issues. And would that be issues more connected directly with the mainland than, than perhaps domestic politics? Yeah, I think. Um, because when they get to the Chinese li liaison, liaison um, office, yeah, liaison yeah. office, then the arrest, the people, um, the police there are more sensitive. Even even though the pol um, protesters are very well behaved, they still have very sensitive actions against them. But 
I, I get the sense that, that once these cases come to court, there's less cause for complaint. In other words, there's a feeling that in, in, in court, the demonstrators get more of a fair deal. Is that right? Um, I don't think so, because um, first of all, they have to go to the magistrate. And in the magistrate, I don't think um, the protester got very fair deal um, in the magistrate because of the quality of judge, or um, I don't know why. And unless they will appeal to the high court, um, or, or higher courts, even higher courts, then they can get a very fair deal. But, you know, if... But that does suggest that in some way the system is working. Yeah, but, you know, they have to put a lot of time and resources on taking the case up to the high queue, high, higher courts in Hong Kong. And many protesters, like um, our friends, many of them are just students and they don't have a good financial support um, for them to bring the case to high court. And, uh, I mean, what people are saying, and I know you're directly involved in this, is that once we get to the Occupy Central uh, <laughs> yeah. movement, um, that the temperature is going to go up even higher. Yeah. Do you think that is so? Um, I think so, because one of our friend Melody has been arrested. This is Melody Chan. Yeah, yes. Melody Chan has been arrested um, some times ago. And on that day, we were planning to have a meetings on the secretary's level. And he, she was... This, this is a meeting of the Occupy Central... Central secretaries, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Um, when she was coming to join us for the meeting, for the lunch meeting, and she called me up and said, Oh, Sherry, I, I think I cannot come today because I have just been arrested by some police. So it, it's very difficult to say that this is not related to any political movement because um, the case which she has been involved has been tried in the court already a long time ago, and all the all the all the defendants have been convicted, and they have been fined um, one thousand and five hundred dollars. Right. Well, thank you very much indeed, and uh, we'll be back after the break. Welcome back. At the beginning of May, a photograph surfaced on Facebook of a two-year-old boy kneeling on a floor with his hands tied with duct tape. He was wearing the uniform of a prestigious kindergarten. The individual who posted the photo on Facebook said he was a former teacher who had seen the boy being physically abused by another teacher for being too naughty. The claim is still under investigation. But this photograph, as well as claims of physical and sexual abuse of students at another school, have raised the issue of how schools can help children who have been the victims of inappropriate behaviour by adults. Sakura says that sometimes she was bullied by a teacher. She cried a lot and has been emotionally unstable since Form 1. She's been diagnosed as having emotional problems. I 
tim tạm cao vui ti khi ngọ cao ngọ cô phê ngọ nhiều chi chu nhiều ngâm ngọ chi nhiều xe mạnh xe với ngày siêu ngâm cam cốc coi nè bút lậu She says that the teacher's behaviour added to her emotional problems, but she also blames exam pressures and the fact that she didn't have many friends in the school. Suicide was a temptation. A number of former and current Chuntok school students have made complaints against their teachers, alleging bullying and sexual harassment. Chuntok School, formerly known as the Hong Kong School for the Deaf, currently runs two schools for those with hearing problems. It has a secondary school section for the hearing disabled that's scheduled to be phased out soon. The Education Bureau has received 32 complaints of bullying and harassment at the secondary school and says it's investigating the cases directly due to their serious nature. The police say they've received one complaint of indecent assault and another involving a student being forced to stay behind at the school. 我們要將這些案件呢,一定要跟張佢個事實是不是真的講得出來,是不是真的的,我們要放鬆鬆鬆鬆鬆鬆鬆鬆鬆鬆鬆鬆鬆鬆鬆鬆鬆鬆鬆
一個角色嘅扮演，即係類似我哋所講嘅，如果警方你話去到、呃、案件、呃、去到現場重組啊咁樣，類似嘅方式。A spokesperson for the school says that such case reenactment would normally be overseen by the principal, senior teachers and parents. 如果係真係案件重現，可能係好多人一齊去去睇翻嗰個事件嘅發生啊！咁可能我唔知道當時個即係被懷疑嘅老師，可能都在場，或者其他人在場。咁無形中咧，可能為個小朋友咧都係一個嘅好大嘅壓力啊 ！The Education Bureau provides simple guidelines on how to handle such complaints, but it's up to schools themselves to formulate complaint handling procedures. The guidelines do stress, though, that if a criminal offence is involved, cases should be referred to the police. 根據咧處理誒虐待兒童個案程序指引咧，其實就誒應該咧就首先擺即係兒童嘅利益咧係擺先嘅，關注佢嘅情緒需要啦嚇，令到佢感覺佢係安全嘅嚇，係有支援嘅，同埋係俾佢明白到咧。係誒，會有人會幫佢處理一啲嘅事情嘅，咁等到佢安心，能夠幫助佢講出一個真相出嚟。The guide on handling cases of child abuse is drawn up by the social welfare department. The education bureau has issued a circular advising schools to follow that guide, but has formulated no comprehensive policy itself. This former pupil says. That he was taken to a room where a teacher grabbed him by the neck and used his knee to apply pressure to his lower body after he'd been rude to that teacher, but he didn't ask for outside help. In the United Kingdom, which I'm most familiar with, every school. Has very clear child protection responsibilities, and these are laid down in law. But they're also um, duty bound uh, by law to report any kind of uh, suspicion of, uh, you know, where, where a child's welfare is at, is at risk, and if students are um, fearful of admitting or, or reporting abuse. Uh, you know, because it will have consequences for their education. That that would be a that would be seen as a criminal offence in the United Kingdom. 其實現在咧，我哋在讀生有啲咧都受誒受學校嘅打壓啦，唔敢企出嚟啦。咁其實我哋都知道嘅。Looking at the EDB website, it's not very clear. I mean, there's plenty of information on the website about all sorts of things. But if you ask the straightforward question, what? Is the responsibility of the EDB in relation to physical abuse of students in schools? It's not clear, and you know what they would what they would do, other than 
in a general sense that they are responsible, they have to go and investigate. But I'm not sure that there is a specific officer or office that, that's concerned with these kinds of things. Students in schools need to know. Uh, it's the responsibility of, 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 of parents, to be, be fair, but also of the EDB and schools to, to educate children in their rights. Uh, and, uh, and to know, for example, you know, what is right and wrong in relation to physical contact between people. We'll see you at the same time next week. Until then, goodbye.